This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Turns out Montana is kind of epic. Have you all been to the Montana? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, of course. Isn't it just... I mean, it's, it's not Colorado, right? But man, it's gorgeous, just epic. And we were there um, in mid-November. And in mid-November, you could either be in a blizzard, because the last time I was there was in, in uh, November, and it snowed while we fished. Turns out the fish don't much care, but I did. Um, but we got there, it was 70 degrees, it was sunny. I cashed in every airline mile and point just to make this trip happen. It was something he and I had been looking forward to. We had a trip to Uganda that we had to cancel, trips to North Africa, Haiti. It all got coroned. And I thought, I'm, this trip, I'm not going to let this one get canceled. We're going to fight for this one. And as the day approached this trip, we started saying things like, you know, we're, it's just a week away. You know, you drop him off at school. He's got to strap the mask on and walk in and ugh, the hardness of what's going on. I was like, but look, by this time next week, buddy, by, by this time in three days, we're going to be sitting on the water, the Fort big, you know, Bighorn River trout fishing. As the day approached, this was something that gave us hope that something was coming better than what was to now that something better was happening, that we were going to escape this moment of our lives to get something better on a river in Montana. And it wasn't lost on me that Revelation 22, if you are there right now, is actually that promise for us about a trip we're going to take to a river. Verse 1, I'm just going to read five, five verses the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That word healing, by the way, is like a therapeutic word, almost like a sauna, like a hot rocks or like a therapy, it's like sauna. So you, you sauna people, I, don't, I get, if I'm being honest, I get really bored in the sauna, I get hot and I got nothing to do. But, but for those of you that enjoy that, it's like that kind of language. It's like a therapeutic thing there. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you give us insight into your word? Would you show us, Lord, that this river that runs through the city the river that runs through it. It is a glimpse of something in the future, but it's a picture of right now as well. I pray that in these few minutes we have that our hearts will be quieted and we'll hear clearly from you this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how many of you have traveled um, a lot and you've seen amazing things. Uh, 
Rutgers were with us standing at uh, the, the base of Murchison Falls in Uganda. And you see this amazing waterfall. That, and you take a picture of it. And you bring it home and you try to show it to them. And they're like, I swear it's way better than that in real life. I swear. David Christopher and I have stood in some places and seen some things that I just can't possibly describe to you in photographs. Basin Blue in, in Haiti. And it's just this gorgeous place. And the, what do you say to somebody when you show them those pictures? You had to, you, you had to have been there. You, you had to be, you, the only way you're going to get is to have seen it. Which is a challenge for Revelation 22 because this is the Holy Spirit trying to tell us what's to come while at the same time trusting that we're going to somehow know that this isn't everything because it's, it's just words and we've got to understand that whatever is written here, as beautiful as this is, it's going to be better in the future. 2 Corinthians 3.9 that tells us that eye is not seen, ear is not heard. No, no mind has imagined the glorious things that God has prepared for us. But I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to. Tr- this is like we have booked a trip, okay? We're going to hit the river. The hope is to catch lots of fish, whatever. But this is Revelation 22, 1 through 5 is like a travel brochure of what you're going to experience. And you think about it, like, you know, Holly was in Israel with us, and we saw the pictures, we read about it, and then you stand on Mount Carmel and think, okay, whatever they told us, this is way better than that. This, whatever you catch from this today, know this, it's going to be way better than that. And the point of even sharing something that's in the future is in the same way that it gave Ethan and I hope to know that we're going to get to this trip, that you have some hope that there is a time coming that Jesus is going to come and restore all things. And with that hope, it empowers, it encourages. It doesn't make us into jerk nozzles. It turns us into like Holy Spirit love people, knowing what Jesus has done for us. And if you don't know it, you don't understand it, it's not that you're, you're not bad. I'm not saying that. It's just, it's just harder when you don't consider these things. It's just not as powerful in your Christian walk when you don't comprehend as best we can what he has prepared for us in advance. The church I grew up in said that, you know, you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And what they're talking about was, you know, people who got real spiritual and so they're all floating up in the clouds and they just couldn't, it was hardly any worth on the earth. But I would say, and the, the older I've gotten, I've realized that you can be so uh, earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. And that doesn't work either. In this brochure, this travel brochure, I'm just going to hit three. You probably will see more. But in these five verses, I just want to show you the river, the relationship, and the restoration that exists for us in the future, as well as a picture of what it is for us. Now, the first is the river, verse one. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. A crystal clear river flowing through a city. Every major city across the world, for the most part, at least everyone I've been to, there's a river that runs through it. It seems like whether it's in Africa or in Asia or in Alaska, 
a river because they serve as transportation. They serve as life. They serve as the ability to water crops. The rivers are important, but there's one notable difference between that river and this one, and that is that those rivers are nasty. Because when you park a river in the middle of a city, all the city stuff goes in the river. If you're in the Hudson River, you might see something float by and look like a body. It's probably a body. <laughs> I don't know, Peggy, do you ever see that in Hudson up here? Uh, maybe that's all rumor in mob movies. I don't know. Here's what I know. I grew, up, I grew up in a little town in the middle of nowhere, and we had a river that went through our town, and it was the Republican River. There was no Democrat River, so I don't 100% know why, but... <laughs> If I'm being honest, I, I, would, I would grew up the whole... It never once occurred to me, Republican River, that it had anything to do with anything other than it was a Republican River. My parents, as I've told you before, free-ranged us like chickens. They just opened the door in the morning, let us out, and knew eventually we would come home to roost and by, by sundown, and we'd find food or somewhere along the line. And so one of the things we would do when they let us out to forage was we would go to the river, the Republican River. And this river, there's cattle... There were farmers and sectocides and, you know, it, it was a, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was the safest thing we've ever done, but we weren't worried so much about that, the dark, nasty of the river, as what was in the river. Have you guys ever seen those snapping turtles that cross the road from time to time? They get your attention real quick. But my family makes fun of me because I'm like a turtle, I got a soft heart for turtles. I don't know what it is. I will stop the car and rescue turtles on the side of the road and get them to the other side. I, I don't know what that means about me. But inside dark river waters, underneath dark river waters are giant snapping turtles the size of car tires, right? There are alligator gar. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? Those will get your attention. Bump up against one of those. Catfish the size of small Slavic countries just floating around in there. And then occasionally a, occasionally a farmer, he'll just go ahead and dump a car in the river. <laughs> like a car. <laughs> so when you're in this dark, murky water, it's kind of terrifying because of what's underneath of it. This is a clear water. This is a river of water. This is not the kind of rivers that we have been accustomed to in modern times. It's not the kind of rivers when you stand on the banks of the Ganges River in Asia and, and they take bodies and they incinerate them and then they literally just dump them into the river right there on the spot. And it, it's not the rivers like in Togo, Africa, where David goes, where they're bathing in them, going to the bathroom in them, washing their motorcycles in them, doing their laundry in them. This is a river that is clear and crystal clear coming out of the city. And I want to tell you why I think that is and why it's important and why I've spent probably too much time describing disgusting rivers. A river in the Bible is a picture this is Ezekiel 47. There's this picture in Ezekiel 47 of a river that would flow all the way into the Dead Sea. And it speaks of this river that once it gets to the Dead Sea will bring life and that life will once again restore to the Dead Sea. If you have paid attention at all, this year, what did we learn in Israel? There are little pockets of life beginning to form in the Dead Sea for the first time in modern history, prophetically coming our way. 
But the river that he speaks of is, is it literal? I don't know, probably. But what I know is this, Psalm 46.4, you can just write it down and go there later. That Psalm 46.4 tells us that there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Like a river is about gladness. Right, every what is it? Every Travis Tritt song. It seems like there's a river, and you're hanging out and boating and whatever. But this is this is the city of God. Gladness of a river. The, uh, Psalm thirty six eight that they shall abundantly be satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Praise God for that. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. A river of pleasure. A river of gladness. That's the that's what this is talking about here. What is it? I. Th- would like to suggest, if, if, and if you're nodding off, wake up and you can go right back to sleep. But I would like to suggest to you this, that this river isn't about a what, but about a who. Think with me. We see the Father, God the Father from the throne. We see God the Son, the Lamb. Where is the Holy Spirit in heaven? John 7, Jesus said that those who believe on him, 738, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those believed in him were later to receive. I would like to suggest to you that the river of pleasure, the river of life, the river of gladness is the image of the Holy Spirit coming out of the throne and out of Jesus into all of heaven for the healing of the nations. The Holy Spirit is not absent in Revelation. The Holy Spirit permeates the whole thing. Now that's the future. For the now, listen to this. I think we can learn something about that for this time in our life right now. Because what is it that we need here? He promised that to us, that rivers of living water would flow from within us. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was yet to come. Job 36, 11, by the way, he says this, if they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity, their years in contentment. Write that down, go later. I want you to see here, where does the river in heaven come from? It comes from the throne of God. The the rule and the reign of God. God's commands for us on earth are not about being a giant buzzkill. It's about our flourishing, about our betterment, about how we'll be better. It'll be happier if we live this way. I was talking uh, to Micah this week and he was mentioning uh, some folks that he had seen around that they were kind of giving Micah a hard time the way that he is. Uh, he, he and Lauren are getting married in May and the decisions that they have made of how they're going to go into marriage uh, in, in purity. And he's got these buddies that are giving him a hard time about it. And Micah's saying, I'm going to mess this up, but this is a, basically what he's saying. I'm looking at these guys whose lives are completely screwed up and they're telling me live like them and I'm looking at that saying, I don't want to live like you. I don't want my life to turn out like that. So I'm going to live a different way because clearly the way you're doing it isn't working so good. It's not about, hear me say this, this is not about your salvation. In Christ, you are positionally clean before the Father. His grace is sufficient. Ephesians says that it's by grace. Ephesians 2, grace you're saved, not by works. That is not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is the river of living water that flows from within us. 
when I choose to live differently than the way that Jesus has commanded me to live, and it is not about obedience, the throne is about the rule of Christ, and me choosing to live different, all I'm doing is muddying up my river. And I think that probably more than ever in our world, we need a bunch of Jesus people with rivers of living water flowing from within us, clear and clean waters, not about being rules and regulations and policies and procedures. No, 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 no. But about the clean living water that can come from within us. And I'll bet that if you were to think about right now, where are some areas of my life that I am dumping mud in the river? It wouldn't take you long. The Holy Spirit will tell you. And here's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. It's a river. You know what happens in the river? It washes it all downstream. The water coming from behind is clean. So when you walk away from that, the water cleans out. And if you're young, I want you to hear me say this if you don't hear anything else today. Satan is not a creator. He does not create pleasure. What he does is pervert pleasure that God created for good. And much of what we experience in this is, is not something that Satan created. It's something that God has meant for this and we're using it in a way that God didn't intend it to be. And it's muddying up your river. Jesus loves you. He's not going anywhere. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But as you let your river get cleaned out, the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you in ways that you've never imagined. And, the, and one last thing thought on this river who wants to go swimming in the Cumberland River I mean I'll do respect to my people in Nashville who wants to go swimming in the Cumberland right I don't know what's been washed in there like what's died in there like I don't but if you get up into the mountain streams of Gatlinburg close to the source of the water now it'll wake you up it's a little colder than you're going to want it to be I mean, Baison Blue, we, if you've ever, oh, it's, I can't even explain how beautiful it is in Haiti. Every body of water in Haiti, I wouldn't get in there. I, look, I got a urinary, oh, can't we say that? I got, I got a urinary tract infection in Haiti by baptizing people in the river. I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> Do you remember that? I know we've gone way into the TMI, but I'm just, <laughs> I just remember going to the doctor and going, look, I don't know what's happening, but it's like a blowtorch at this point. Like, I don't understand where this is coming from. It's third service, Mo. What are we going to do? But if I'm lying, I'm dying. Like, this is a true story. And the doctors ask me, would you do this? You're like, no, gross. No, no, I didn't do it. And when I told them we were baptizing people, he's like, oh, okay, yeah. But you get into Baison Blue, which is this beautiful, you have to climb up there. You, it's hard to get to. The motorcycles like turn over because it's so steep. And then you get to this place with this beautiful, clear water, waterfalls. That's the, and here's why I say that. This is why it's important because in this day and age, there are dirty rivers and there are clean rivers in our world right now. And which one do you want to be? The world right now needs clean water. The world right now around us is seeing a world full of fear, anger, shame, 
Is that the river that you want to present to the world? Because Jesus says rivers of living water can flow from within you. And I can't think of a better time in history than for a bunch of Jesus people living in purity, not for the try to get God to love them, not about that at all, but about just cleaning up your river. Because right now there's a world that needs that. There's a world that is looking and wondering. And they, if you look just like they look, then they're going to keep looking. There's a river coming in the future, but there's a river for us right now. There is not just a river, there's a relationship. Verse 8, it says that, uh, for, I'm sorry, they will see his face, his name on their foreheads. No more night, they will need the light of a lamp. They're going to see the relationship there. When I first saw my wife, I was smitten. I, I remember the hat she was wearing. I remember the dress she was wearing. I remember I couldn't speak very well. I was a doofus. She just wandered in from North Dakota, and I was like, and, and I remember the I, look. I I remember the first time we kissed. I'm, going, I'm sorry. I'm going back there right now. I, I remember. Sorry. I'm. I need a minute. No. It, we, we kissed, and I'm like, all I'm thinking, so I'm, I'm like Rico Suave, but, but, but while we're kissing, in my mind, all I'm thinking is, oh my goodness, Shannon Anderson's kissing me. Oh, wow, wow, wow Shannon Anderson's kissing me. I'm like, on the surface, I'm calm, but underneath, I'm like the duck paddling, like, you know. And I got home to my roommate that night, and he's like, man, what happened to you? It was written all over my face. And that is the relationship of the Father to us. That when we see him face to face, written on our forehead, I honestly don't think someone, Brian, I don't think someone's going to take a Sharpie and write Jehovah on your forehead. I think that it written all over your face is just that. It's going to be like, I just, it's obvious that they have been with Jesus. And that's the promise of what it looks like to the future. And I, I saw that even in my son, when we got to Montana and we began to see things that I have seen before, but he had not seen before. And so it wasn't just about his mind being blown by the beauty of this. This is just a reservoir that stretches like 60 miles from like Fort Smith, Montana to Sheridan, Wyoming. The really the only way to navigate it is by boat. You can't even get to it. And we're just looking at this and it's, again incredibly disappointing picture but I was seeing it not only through my eyes but now I'm seeing it through his eyes and his eyes are lighting up at this amazing thing and he's with his father with it now imagine in your mind's eye if I was the one that created that and I'm taking my son to see it for the very first time the joy not only in his heart but the joy in the father's heart for the son to see and experience what I have created for him for the first time he's experiencing it. That's the promise of Revelation 22, that someday we're going to see that and rule and reign over it. On this side of heaven, we still get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that relationship here 
But the last thing, and this is why it's important that I, I put this last, because we do get to see that this side of heaven, but the one difference between then and now is that, in fact, uh, in the restoration, it says here in verse Three, no longer will there be any more curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Uh, Verse five, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord will give them light. No more, no more. It's all gonna be here, no more. Here's why that was important to me. The moment we landed that plane in Montana, the clock began to tick because this trip was going to be over and we were gonna be back where we started. Every mission trip we take, David Christopher will start one of the first speeches he gives to everybody. If you've been on a trip, you know the speech, right? Which is, the clock just started ticking. You're not going to be here very long. This will go fast. Invest heavily in the relationships now because you don't have that much time here. Every, if you've ever had the blessing of some kind of an epic experience or journey, the joy is also filled with sadness because this one is going to end. But when he wipes away every tear, you know, one of those tears, I think, represents the fact that this will not end forever and ever. There is no more sadness, no more death, no more sorrow, It will not end. It's a forever thing. The curse is gone. The curse of separation, it says. The curse, that's the curse. The curse of separation is that I'm no longer able to commune with God. But then I will. I get to see him face to face, it says. Exodus 33.20 says you can't see his face and live. But here... It says, I will not just see him, I'm going to see his face. For everything that face masks are purported to do in our world, I know one thing they do accomplish, and that is to separate us from each other. Multiple times this week, I have been in coffee shops, and I see somebody that I, like, that I know, and I don't know them. I kept thinking, like, what if we put name tags on foreheads? That feels like a good option right now, because I'm like, like, is that you? Mayfield, underneath Jeff Mayfield? Like, oh my gosh, I know you. But I didn't know him. And I wonder if that's part of what God is looking forward to for the first time, that you get to see him face to face. First Corinthians 3, for now, through, but we're becoming unveiled. Our veil will come off, and we will see him face to face to face from glory to glory. That is the restoration of all things. We'll see his face and not die. He'll see our face and we will live. This is not about us being rescued out of here. This is about this being restored here on earth. That's huge. And it is the hope that we have to push through this next season. I don't know what dates or what's going to happen in the next few weeks. I'm kind of done predicting that. Two weeks flatten the curve. I'm kind of like, okay, well, I got that one wrong. And here we are. But whatever these dates are, what Kim alluded to earlier, I don't know what's going to happen in these next weeks and months. But if we start putting deadlines on them, and then those deadlines come and go, you know, I'm as frustrated as most of you are. 
But if I take a step back and say, okay, whatever's going on here, the river, the relationship, the restoration that is coming, that is already begun. And I want to give one word of encouragement to parents and we'll be done. Um, if I say the greatest generation, some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Tom Brokaw, World War II. The greatest generation, those that survived World War II and they became the greatest generation, the way that they rebuilt our country, the way that they moved forward and, and succeeded. And they did not become the greatest generation in a Nerf ball game. They became the greatest generation in real life, fighting for their life, okay? I didn't want this. I didn't sign up for this. But let me tell you, your children right now, they're in the middle of stuff that is real. This is real stressful for them. But maybe what God is going to do in the middle of all this is create the next greatest generation. A great generation of young men and women who have lived and survived and understood the hope of the future was the power of the gospel, that the hope is the river, the hope is the relationship, the hope is the restoration, a new greatest generation that will rise up to usher in a revival here in America and around the world. Kids that are no longer in a Nerf ball world, but are in a real world, and they're going to learn a lot about survival. They're going to learn a lot about what it means to depend on Jesus. And as much as I hate to see this going on in our children, I am also hopeful that God will not waste it. Be careful how we parent them during this season. Parent them with courage. Parent them with expectation. Parent them with fearlessness and see what Jesus might do in this next season. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, not for a minute were we forsaken. Lord, help us to know the balance of speaking the truth in love but not speaking it in fear. Lord, as parents, help us to speak in a way that inspires our children, that doesn't scare our children. Help us as our own, Lord, in teachers, in work, wherever we are in our lives, Lord, to, to see you in the middle of all this and allow that courage to rise up from within us. Father, for our brothers and sisters in Asia right now, as these rescues are about to unfold, I pray that you're going to be with every one of these pastors. Anoint them, protect them, surround them with your angels. <laughs> we look forward to the stories of freedom that are coming even this week. Thank you, God, for the generosity, radical generosity of my church family that's allowed not only these slaves to be freed, but schools to be built. Another one going up in Asia, another one going up in Haiti. Oh, Lord Jesus, our church is not screwing around. We are here to serve and to love you. In Jesus' name, amen.